We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Chrysomania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man, oh, with the powerful question. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! Well, here we go. Welcome to the Chris Van Vliet Show, and thank you for being with us on another audio adventure. If it's your first time here, I am obsessed with the idea of finding out what makes successful people so successful. On each episode, we have in-depth conversations and reverse engineer the habits and techniques of the world's top athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, even radio hosts. If they are the best at what they do, I want to get their insight and help you apply it to your own life. And when you think of wrestling radio, you immediately think of Busted Open. And it was such a pleasure to talk with Dave LaGreca about how he built the show and how it's grown so much since it started in 2009. Take a screenshot right now, share it on Twitter or Instagram, and tag us so we can say hi. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. Dave is at David LaGreca1. And make sure to subscribe to the show wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. If that happens to be Apple Podcasts, could I ask you to take a minute out of your day at some point to rate and review the show? And if you don't have the time, I completely understand that maybe you aren't able to rate and review the show. But if you could just rate the show, it would take you like three seconds to scroll down, click those five stars, boom, that's it. And it would be so, so helpful. This review comes from Anthony Rodriguez, who titled this, You Have to Read This. Well, I, guess I, don't have a, I guess I don't have a choice now. Hey, Chris, I just wanted to let you know how essential your work really is. Listening to your podcast slash interviews is something that really gets me through my day. I just recently lost my job out of nowhere, very well paying and awesome schedule and had to scramble to figure out what to do so I could rack up some money for bills. I decided to drive for DoorDash and Uber Eats recently to see how it worked. And I just thought it'd be miserable and dreadful to do this job without having anyone here to talk to I'm familiar with your work because of YouTube, but never was really an avid listener since I'm not really that much of a podcast guy. But let me tell you, doing deliveries all day long gets so much easier when I listen to the CVV show because of the way that you conduct your interviews. It makes me feel like I'm sitting right there at the table with you and your guest having a conversation with you guys. My day goes by way faster and easier, and it wouldn't be possible without the one and only, insert Justin Roberts' voice, Chris. Van Fleet. No, seriously, thank you and keep them coming. And we got the beer cheersing emoji. Well, seriously, Anthony, thank you. And I can only imagine how long it must have taken you to write that review. So I very, very much appreciate it. And I hope that you and everyone else tells your friends that, yeah, I don't just have a YouTube channel. I've got this podcast over here as well. And in fact, we put a lot of content on the podcast that 
doesn't go on the YouTube channel. So like you guys are getting a bonus here. So look, just thank you for being part of this show. And you know, I just want to help to continue to spread the word. And I know the conversations like this one with Dave LaGreca is certainly going to do that. His story of how he got started in radio is fascinating. My first job in radio was when I was still in college. And that's the case for a lot of broadcasters. But Dave actually had a whole different career first and then decided that wasn't really what he wanted to do. And he decided that he was going to chase after his dream of working in broadcasting. And he did it. He left one career behind and then just dove into this other one with a fresh start at 30 years old. And as my friend Michael Yeo likes to say, dreams don't have deadlines. It's so, so true. So enjoy this insightful and inspiring chat with Dave LaGreca. Well, here we are, Dave. How are you? I'm, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. This is this is an honor. I'm really, really excited about this. No, well, the honor's mine. And I, I look, looking behind you right now, I don't know if you have enough of your own head uh, <laughs> cut out back there. What's going on here? Listen, I miss seeing them in the crowd since there's no crowds anymore. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, I guess I got to got to change this up. It's not just me. You could see, you know, Cody, and you could see Bully, and you could see right. Mark Henry and Tommy <laughs> Dreamer. So it's not just me, but yeah. But but there is a lot of you there. There's a lot of me. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, you mentioned there's no crowds right now. I haven't been to a live wrestling show since February. I feel like it's been a long time since I saw you. I I think over a year. It's been it's been over a year. It's been it's been over a year. And you're right. I think the last show that I was at live was was February. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's anybody's best guess right now. But if you had to put out your best guess into the world, when do you think we start seeing crowds? I mean, AEW has some crowds, but when do you think we start seeing like you know a fuller capacity crowd? I'm I'm gonna cross my fingers and hope. <laughs> uh, and and this is gonna even sound outlandish when you think about it, but I, I think it's gonna probably be towards the middle or end of the summer of 2021. Yeah. I mean, I never would have expected that this was a would have gone as far as it has. But with that said, it's actually been really interesting watching how all the different major wrestling promotions have dealt with this. So what's your take on that? I, I agree with you. Um, you know, if you would have said two years ago we would have hit a pandemic, I would be like, oh, I was pulling out my hair and running around screaming. But it's I guess it's the the spirit of that of of us that we were able to just roll with the punches, evolve and, and do what we can. I mean, listen, there's so many people out of work. There's so many people that are sick. So many people have passed. Um, and we've been able to really roll on. And it's crazy to think that pro wrestling, Chris has never stopped. Think about it. Like it never took even a week off. And I think AEW has done a phenomenal job almost since the get go. Uh, WWE is, I think, done a great job with uh, with the Thunderdome, and it's good to see Ring of Honor and MLW back doing shows as well. And you know, we're what eight months deep into this, Chris, and I've actually yeah. kind of gotten used to the fact that there is no fans. When I go back on the network or YouTube and I see a show from a year ago, two years, it's almost jarring seeing an arena full of fans now. Yeah, it's strange. And when you watch a movie and there's like a crowd scene, you're like, oh, where's everybody's mask? This is so weird. You're you're right. It's even like when you watch TV or commercials when, you know, because now we interact with wearing masks now. It's it's so it's just so surreal right now. I think it's been really easy for a lot of people to dump on 2020 and say, oh, it's been the worst year ever. But, you know, I feel like there's been a lot of silver lining, like. I did all my interviews up till the pandemic started in person. Zoom has afforded us the ability to do this. You know, we're on completely opposite coasts right now. That's one of the silver linings here. But also the fact, like you said, that wrestling has been the one thing that hasn't stopped through this. That's been pretty special. Yeah. and, And as a lifelong pro wrestling fan, it's great to see that before any other sports league was able to adapt, we adapted first, you know. And Chris, you know, this pro wrestling always gets dumped on and, and it's good to see that, hey, you know what? We survived. We we even thrived during this pandemic. So uh, it's good to see that even when you look at the viewership and the ratings and the numbers, for the most part, it's about where it was 
you know, prior to the pandemic. And, and I think it shows the loyalty and how diehard pro wrestling fans are. The, the ratings have been really interesting to me because when this thing first happened and it was the middle of March to the end of March, literally every person in America was sitting at home. And I, I thought the ratings were going to skyrocket because, you know, before the pandemic, you had an excuse to not watch wrestling. You, you know, you were maybe you were at a barbecue or a birthday party or at your kid's soccer game. You were doing something else. Now you had no excuse. Yeah. You were sitting at home. I knew where every single American was at eight o'clock on a Monday night. They were sitting on their couch deciding not to watch Raw and deciding not to watch Dynamite and, and SmackDown. What do you think, you know, is the reasoning for that? Well, I mean, we could get into Raw a little later on. Because <laughs> there's probably other reasons why people have tuned out of Monday Night Raw. But I think at first, the crowd is such a big part of pro wrestling. Yeah. Um, You know, you could watch a football game and not even know if there's a crowd or not. Same thing with baseball. And, but with pro wrestling, it's, it's almost like another personality, another character on that show. And I feel like at first, and I know a lot of friends that felt this way too. You know what? I'm going to wait till crowds come back Mm. before I start tuning in. And then as the months got longer and longer, people then decided, all right, this isn't going to happen anytime soon. So I'm going to go back and, and I'm going to watch. But also the WWE with the Thunderdome and the LED screens, at least it has some kind of presence of a crowd. Like you mentioned before, AEW Dynamite at Daly's Place, you know, whether it's 500 or 1,000 people, at least there's some people in attendance. So I think that's helped draw fans back into watching on TV. Well, and AEW made a really interesting decision early on. They pointed the camera where it mattered the most. They pointed the camera at the ring and at the entranceway. Whereas if you flick channels to NXT that Wednesday night, they were basically shining a light on the audience and going, hey, look, everybody, no one's here. Yeah. And, and, and they did. And that was a mistake. Like, I think a, that's what AEW adapted pretty early, where WWE took a little bit for them to get on track. I think they realized some of the mistakes that they made, but you can't point the finger of blame at any organization. No. I mean, this is unprecedented. They, you know, they're trying to do what's best for the fans. So listen, they did their best. At first, it didn't work. I think they have something now that's succeeding. And I've gone on the record to say that I still think WrestleMania is one of the best shows of the year because they put that together, you know, with like a week's notice. Crazy. It's and, crazy. And, you know, it, those are still some of the most talked about matches of the year. It's hard for me to go back and watch that WrestleMania, though. Like if I sit on my couch and I go to the WWE Network, yeah. it's hard for me to watch a WrestleMania where there's no fans because the, the the most jarring thing when you go back, if you go back and watch that is, if you remember for WrestleMania 36, they had a great opening montage with For Those About to Rock by ACDC. And it's just like, you know, WrestleMania 36 and you're waiting for that big pyro explosion and it's a an empty performance center. Yeah. So it, it's, and even though everybody on that card did a phenomenal job and worked their butts off, it it is difficult for me to go back and watch that show. Dave, what you've built with Busted Open is pretty incredible. And I want to I want to acknowledge what you've built. I mean, the show has been on for more than a decade now. And this is the go-to place to hear amazing wrestling interviews before they were really existing on YouTube. Well, thank you. I, I mean, you know, we kind of, you know, predated even, you know, podcasting and stuff like that. It's been, I'm old and this show is is, you know, over 11 years old now. And we, Sirius XM got behind it. So I'm very, very thankful to, to Sirius XM. And, and for the people who started this show with me, Doug Mortman, Mike Riker early on, and, you know, my PD, Mother Marissa and Andy King, you know, we, we've had a lot of support from Sirius XM. So I'm very, very thankful for that platform. Well, let's take it back a little bit because you've been working at Sirius XM before Busted Open. So yes. what were you doing at Sirius before the show came around? I worked on the NFL channel. So I, I worked with the NFL for 13 years. Uh, but Busted Open was something that I always kind of wanted to do. I always wanted to do a pro wrestling show. I thought that that would be a really good fit, especially for Sirius XM because of that niche audience. But yeah, yeah. I worked with the NFL. I was the morning show producer uh, called The Opening Drive on their channel. I loved it. I loved the world of the NFL, but I got to be honest with you, I love the world of professional wrestling a heck of a lot more. <laughs> Were you on air before this? I, I did some on-air stuff, but never to the extent of Busted Open. And I think that's kind of 
why I've been able to adapt so well with, with our nation, with our busted open fans is because I'm just a fan. Like I, yeah. I've never, I don't claim to be a journalist. I don't, I don't claim to be a reporter. I try to give the fans perspective on, on things. And so sometimes like my opinions could be completely out there. As you know, Chris, a lot of fans opinions tend to be, but yeah, I think this show morphed into, you know, the hall of famer, like a bully Ray and a Mark Henry and an icon like Tommy dreamer. They give their experiences in the ring. And I kind of give what I feel as a fan that buys a ticket and watches on TV. So I'm guessing that when this began, you were still doing your stuff with the NFL Network and Busted Open was just kind of like the side project you were working on. Yes. Uh, I'll never forget Steve Cohen, my boss, said, yeah, LaGreca, you can do your wrestling show, but don't let it affect your day job. You know that? (laughs) But, But in time, it grew, you know, one hour, one day a week to two days a week, to three days a week, to two hours, to to five days a week for three hours, and now six days a week for three hours. And, you know, we were, we, we became the number one sports show on Sirius XM, which blows my mind when you think of all the amazing sports programming. And, you know, uh, our podcast debuted at number one, our show was the number one show, uh, sports show on Sirius XM. I, I, in my wildest dreams, Chris, I never would have expected the our fan base to get that big. So I, yeah, I mean, all, you're talking all sports here. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have great sports programming, but on yeah. the same side, on the same side, we're the only pro wrestling show. So you yeah. have multiple baseball and football and NBA shows, but you know, we're the only show uh, dedicated to pro wrestling. And that shows you how rabid this pro wrestling fan base still is. Oh, without a doubt. But with other sports, it's really easy to localize it, right? You might have a, you know, you might have your New York Giants show or you might have your, you know, Los Angeles Dodgers show or whatever. Here, you're speaking to not just WWE fans, not just AEW fans, not just New Japan fans. You're speaking to wrestling fans all across the board. Well, Chris, you know this, like when I was working on the NFL channel, if we had an offensive lineman for the New York Jets on, yeah, the only people that are going to listen to that interview, hopefully, are New York Jet fans. Yeah, other fans aren't don't really aren't really interested. But when you talk about pro wrestling, if you put Kenny Omega on the air, everyone's going to listen to that. Ric Flair, everyone's every wrestling fan is going to listen to that. So yeah. Even if you're a diehard AEW fan, you probably still like the other shows and the other organizations and and vice versa with the WWE. So I think we're lucky in that respect, Chris, that, you know, our fan base is probably going to listen and watch everything. You touch on an interesting thing, though, because ever since the advent of AEW and we're coming up on it's about two years since they announced it, January 1st, 2019. Ever since AEW came around, there's been this real divide of like, oh. <laughs> you're either a WWE fan or an AEW fan and there's no in between. And the last time I checked, we were wrestling fans. When, when did that shift? Uh, Chris, it blows me away. And you couldn't be more right. I, I'll, I'll send out a tweet praising Dynamite and people will call me an AEW mark and ask me why I hate the WWE. And if I say something good about the WWE, I'll get the same tweets from other fan bases. I, I honestly, Chris, I don't know. You know, I'm 49 years old. I've been a pro wrestling fan for 40 years. When I was a kid, I watched everything. I yeah. watched any pro wrestling show that I can get my eyes on. I can't believe that the, the fan base is so divided like they are. It's, it's, it's amazing to me. And I, listen, we have a, a tough enough time with people outside our community, right? Like, you know, people who don't understand pro wrestling hate on it. And I know for myself, when I was in school or work, I always had to argue with these people, fight off these people because they didn't get it. Yeah. I'm not used to now fighting with people within our own community. Yeah. And, uh, um, I, I can tell you, Chris, that I don't get paid by anybody but SiriusXM, but I have been accused of being on Tony Khan's payroll, Vince McMahon's payroll, Court Bauer's payroll. Like, it's crazy. I get paid by SiriusXM. My opinions are just the opinions of a fan, but I don't know where this started. I guess I think what it is, Chris, is that a lot of people wanted the Monday Night Wars back. Like, I think... Ever since that ended, I think a lot of fans wanted that 
competitive juices flowing once again. But I think what a, a lot of younger fans don't realize that when the Monday Night Wars were happening, that was a war between WCW and the WWF, not the fan bases. Yeah. Like, so, you know, the fan bases watched both shows. Yeah. So I think like a lot of younger fans don't realize what exactly made the Monday nights work, the Monday night wars work. And listen, I know for myself, I'm so thankful that there is an AEW because Chris, you know, for the longest time, the WWE ruled the pro wrestling world. It's good that there's another show and another organization that's successful and that fills arenas. So um, I don't understand where all the hate comes from. I would have to guess if the internet existed, the way that it does exist now, if the internet existed in the late 90s, maybe the Monday Night Wars would have felt a little bit different. You're probably right. I think it is the culture of social media and, you know, people like to get their opinions heard. They want they want to attract likes and retweets. So that probably has a lot to do with it. Maybe you're right. Maybe if there was, you know, in uh, the um, social media, the way it is now in 1998, we would add the same thing then. Because when Impact was competing with Raw on Monday nights for, you know, the short period of time that they did, it, it got pretty feisty. Like, it, you know, Impact fans were like, can't believe you're watching Raw. WWE fans are saying, I can't believe you're watching Impact. It was crazy. Yeah. And, and again, I think that affected impact because I think a lot of people didn't give impact wrestling or TNA wrestling at that time, you know, what, what, you know, what the credit that they deserved. And I just know, like I said before, Chris, and I know you're this way as well. When I was younger, if it was pro wrestling, good or bad, I was most likely going to watch it. And I think the culture now is instead of saying, boy, I love Pepsi. The culture is now, I hate Coke. You know, I think that's the culture right now. Yeah. I want to take it back to how this show kind of came together. It's like you said, you know, got approved for one hour a week. What were the kind of metrics you were hitting or what were the benchmarks you were hitting for them to go, huh, yeah, they're onto something here? Uh, well, just like, you know, pro wrestling fans are, we fight for what we believe in. So mm. when it came to Busted Open, you know, our fans just shouted from the rooftops, you know, it, uh, they, they wanted more and they, they let it be known. They sent emails, they made phone calls when Twitter, they sent tweets, they, they wanted more from this show and they were extremely vocal. And I'll never forget the day when I was called into my boss's office and I was told that, Hey, we're pulling you from NFL and we're going to put you on busted open. Like, I never would have thought that that would ever have happened ever. And uh, it gives me goosebumps even talking about it right now. But I, but again, Chris, it's, it's the power of the pro wrestling community. Yeah. But uh, Dave, you gotta, have, you, you gotta, you know, pat yourself on the back here. You were the one who created this. Well, I, I have a very hard time of patting myself on the back. Don't let the fat heads fool you, Chris. <laughs> I, I have a, a hard time uh, patting myself on the back. I've been lucky to be around of, of, a team of really good people that believed in this show and got behind it. But, but again, the busted open nation, I give them all the credit. They, they wanted more and Sirius XM delivered. I would have to imagine that when you turn this into a podcast, that that's really when things started to ramp up because not everybody is a serious subscriber. Yeah. And I think uh, the podcast and the Sirius XM app where you can get the show on demand um, that really helped. Because, you know, we're on from nine to noon Eastern time, you know, Monday through Saturday. So a lot, a lot of people are commuting to work. A lot of people are at work. And then now a lot of people are working from home. Yeah. So it's good to have it where you can listen to it anytime. And for sure, the podcast version um, is definitely done a lot big numbers for us, which I'm very, very thankful for. Yeah, this is this is changing everything. Look, I grew up, you know, my very first job was in radio and then I transitioned into television not long after. But it used to be appointment viewing or appointment listening. You know, if you weren't listening to your show between nine and noon, well, you didn't listen to it. That was it. And the cool thing now is we have these supercomputers in our pocket that allow us <laughs> to listen to whatever we want and watch whatever yeah. we want at any time. Yep, it's true. And, and, you know, like you said, that everything's on your phone. So, you know, you can listen to my show at nine o'clock or midnight or one o'clock in the morning. It doesn't really matter. Another thing too, and for, for better or for worse, Chris, and you, and, and you probably know this, once you're in the public eye, you're in the public eye. 
So I learned early on that my life is, is the same as my life on the radio. My, my yeah. fans, the nation, they know about my daughter, they know about my wife and, and that's a good thing and could be a bad thing at times, <laughs> but like I leave my life wide open on the air. So, um, I think that's another reason why a lot of fans have been attracted to the show. Well, you've taken the morning radio show approach to this, which is why you guys have been so incredibly successful. And also, you know, Bully Ray, Tommy Dreamer, and Mark Henry help a lot as well. Um, all three of those guys are completely different than the other. Um, and they all have, you know, a tremendous perspective on the business, but it's different. So, you know, if you listen on Monday and listen to Bully Ray, it's going to be a completely different show on Wednesday when Tommy Dreamer is on and a different show on Friday when Mark Henry's on. I have to say it was very jarring when I was at uh, Double or Nothing last year and we're doing the media scrums after the event and I turn around and there's the world's strongest man who is now the world's strongest reporter standing next to me asking questions. It was the strangest, wildest, most amazing thing. The, the, the best thing about it, Chris, and I was laughing out loud because you've been in those media scrums before yeah. and you know you kind of fight for position to get your microphone close to whoever you're interviewing to get sound. Like when it's Mark Henry to... You know, it just kind of parts and he just kind of walks right in. Also, too, like, you know, Chris, you would ask a question and then it would be another person's turn. When it's Mark Henry with the microphone, he just kept rolling with, with the questions, which was pretty funny. But no, but, you know, Mark, you know, put his journalistic hat on. He Mark, Mark was not, you know, WWE performer, WWE Hall of Famer Mark Henry. He was host of Busted Open yeah. Mark Henry. And I, and I really appreciated that from Mark. You'll have to forgive me. They are testing the fire alarms here while we're doing this interview. Gene. At least you know you're safe, Chris. That's all. <laughs> at least I, at least I know I'm safe. But <laughs> my ears are gonna pop. My goodness. Hold on. Hold on. We'll, we'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait for this. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. I was I was curious if Mark got any sort of flack from WWE for appearing, uh, you know, on camera backstage of the WWE event. No, as far as I know, he or did AEW not. Event, sorry. I, yeah, no, as far as I know, Chris, he did not. I know that Tony Khan really appreciated the fact that Mark, he, he wasn't expecting Mark uh, to be there and to do that. So I think that kind of, you know, surprised Tony Khan in a good way that, hey, you know what? Like, hey, this is this is must see. You know, people are here, even a Hall of Famer like Mark Henry. But I, I don't think he got any flack at all. I think I, I think, uh, honestly, the WWE understands Mark Henry's role on Busted Open. Which is fantastic that they're willing to, you know, work with him on that. Yeah. What's been different for the show, other than the length of time that it's on the air, what's been different from the show in 2009 versus Busted Open that we see now? Well, in 2009, we probably had 12 listeners. And then now we have... <laughs> um, uh, the, the one thing is, you know, when you first start, Chris, you know, you, you, you know, you have a small amount of fans. You almost know your fans by name. And then it grows and grows and grows, which is great because now you're reaching more people. It's it's hard for me. I still want to keep that contact with the nation that they know that, hey, I'm still your friend. I'm still a fellow fan. But when things grow, that's probably the biggest adjustment for me is the, is the sheer numbers. Yeah. Um, we did our 10-year anniversary party in New York just before WrestleMania. It was the Saturday before WrestleMania 35, and we were doing it at a bar in the city. And um, I remember getting there about two hours before the show, and there was a line on 39th Street that went all the way to Fifth Avenue. No way. And and I was like, wow. I mean, what? I was like, and I saw that line. I'm like, oh, no, don't tell me there's another event here. Like, uh, like and then I realized those were nation members waiting to come in to the restaurant. And it was it was a 600 max capacity for the restaurant and we had 750 people show up and like the owner came to me and was like i'm going to have to call the fire marshal like i don't know like we've never experienced this type of crowd before that was like the first time i realized wow like i we're reaching people we we have that kind of reach i i don't think until that moment until you physically see yeah faces and people, you don't realize the reach that your show has. That's such an interesting point because you can see the numbers of how many people are listening or you know watching if it's on YouTube. Uh, but then when you physically see what a few thousand people, you know, maybe 10,000 people look like, you're like, 
my goodness, all these yeah. people are aware of what we're doing here. Yeah, it's crazy. It's exciting. It's exciting. But and, and but it was almost overwhelming for me because I just never attached the two. Like you said, it's usually just the number that's on a piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, but when you physically see the people, it, it means so, so much to me. Definitely one of my career highlights for sure. Everyone has such a different path in the world of broadcasting, like, and everyone has like some, a crazy way to how they got their first job. What was it for you? How did you get your first break in broadcasting? It's it's funny you ask me. I was a bank manager, um, and I always, I did radio in college, but you know life you know life takes you a different route. And I got married and bought a house and. I became a bank manager and then I got divorced. And when I got divorced, I said, I really don't want to be a bank manager if I don't do something now. And I was 30 years old, Chris. I wasn't like, you know, right out of school, fresh faced. I, you know, I, I was 30 years. Um, I said, if I don't make a choice now and do try to do something different now, I never will be able to. Yeah. And, um, I started interning at WFAN in New York and it just kind of built, it just built from there, worked for WFAN, worked for ESPN radio, worked for the National Hockey League. And then in 2004, got the job with Sirius. But it, it's not that easy to just, you know, show up and get an internship. So, no, no, no. Especially at 30 years old. And I think that people yeah. need to hear this, that like, if you're doing a job right now that you don't love, there is another option out there. Like there is an option to go and chase your dream if you're willing to make some sacrifices. And and sacrifice is the key word, Chris, because I still had bills to pay. Yeah. I, you know, I, I can't just like give up on my job and then try to chase this dream. So it became, you know, I had my full-time job from nine to five and then I did an internship at night. And then, you know, my first radio gig was overnights. So I literally was working overnights and then come home, take a shower, put a suit on and go, you know, play the role of bank manager. I did that for a while and I had to sacrifice my personal life in order to get this radio dream on the road. But I think sacrifice is the key word. If you're willing to sacrifice, nothing's guaranteed. Yeah. But if you're willing to sacrifice, there's a chance you might be able to live your dreams. Well, it's it's not an either or situation. I think that people need to realize that they need to you know they need to realize that if I go chase this dream, well, you're not giving up on the current thing you have now. Yes, you need to still pay your bills and everything like that. But you can do both. You know, maybe that's your nine to five, but what's your six to midnight? Yeah, and and listen, you're gonna in the you open up your mailbox. There's gonna be envelopes with people wanting money from you. If you don't give them money, they take away the things you already have. So you have right. to pay. You have to pay for those things. But there has to be the sacrifice, and the, the sacrifice should never be your family, and your sacrifice should never be your income. But you're gonna have to sacrifice. You know. Your, your entertainment, your leisure time, that's the, that's the first thing you're going to have to sacrifice and take away from your calendar. I just want to pause for a second because I know we have a lot of podcasters who listen to the show and a lot of aspiring podcasters as well. And I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, which is a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to that next level. Or if you've always dreamed about hosting a podcast, but you didn't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art. You'll do Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, all kinds of stuff. And you'll also get your show pushed down to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and every other listening platform. The best part about this, you can get all this for just $15 a month, which is the same rate that any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or you have an existing show that you really want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your podcasting experience. But acceptance into the program is pretty limited. So get your application in today. To apply, just go to bwhustle.com slash join. You can also check out the description box of this episode to find out more info. But again, that's bwhustle.com slash join. So how were you able to land this internship at 30 years old? Um, well, it, it actually, a lot of people say, well, maybe my brother helped. Because if I don't know if you know who my brother is, Chris, Don LaGreca. He works for ESPN Radio in New York. 
So a lot of people think, well, you know, your brother probably helped you a lot. It actually hindered me because when I went to FAN for the interview, uh, my brother was their competition. So they, they were thinking of actually not giving me the internship because they thought, oh my gosh, you know, his brother is working with the competition. Is he, um, you have to win people over. You have to, when you get the opportunity and you get, and this is for anybody that's listening, when you get that opportunity, you have to show that you're the best. You have to show that you're willing to sacrifice. You have to show that you're, you're going to be the hardest worker in the room. You have to have that message come across. It's difficult to do, but once you get, all you need is that foot in the door. Once you get that foot in the door, I, early on, Chris, I bought a photo album and I still have it. I have a photo album that I said, I am going to fill this photo album with moments of my radio career. Mm. I did that from before I even got the acceptance letter of getting this internship. I said, I am going to fill, that was my goal. And I have a, a shelf full of uh, photo albums filled with great moments in my career. Don't take no for an answer. Uh, there's, you know, if they want, if they want six hours, work eight hours. If they want yeah. eight hours, work eleven hours. Uh, yeah. If they don't, if they want you to work Saturdays, work Sundays. Always go above and beyond. And and I, you know, write out your goals. You know. What, what's your what's your short-term goals? What's your long-term goals? I had a list of five short-term goals and I had a list of five long-term goals. And your long-term goals might look like that this is crazy. This is just a dream. But I, I fulfilled my short-term goals and I have fulfilled my long-term goals. So there is a way. I, I love that you're saying this stuff because people will look at someone like you who has a very successful show and go, oh, you know, you just got lucky, happened by accident. The fact that you're saying, no, I broke this down into small goals and bigger goals and I crossed them off as I made them happen. I, I think it's so important to realize that that's how this process works. All, all you have to do is call my best friend, Ellie. My, my best friend, Ellie, who I've been friends with since grade school, he's still my best friend to this day. He'll tell you what I sacrificed because there was months and months where he just didn't see me. Hmm. You know, like we would, we were used to hanging out almost on a nightly basis. And there was a long time where I just didn't see him. And so he'll, he'll, he always says that because people bring that up and he'll always be the first one to say, no, you have to understand that it's not luck. It's hard work. Is there luck involved sometimes? Sure. But it, I would say it's 10% luck and 90% hard work. Yeah. I, and I think it's, I say it all the time, vague goals get vague results. And it's super important to be specific on what it is that you want and where you're heading. Otherwise, you're getting into the car and you're just going to end up driving around aimlessly. Yeah. And I, I actually get a little emotional when I talk about it because, Chris, and I'm sure you have your story too. There's things you've had to sacrifice. Sure. There are things that probably could have made you, ha that you know was going to make you happy, but you had to sacrifice those things in order to do this, what you're doing now. And I wouldn't trade anything in for what I'm doing now. I'm sure you say the same thing. I'm I'm living a dream. Yeah, my my story is interesting. I mean, I live in a different country now. You know, I'm originally yeah. originally from Canada, and you know, of course, there's a lot of sacrifices. But like you, I wouldn't trade anything, Dave, because you know it's put us in the position that we're in now to be able to do the thing we enjoy every single day. Absolutely, and being able to watch pro wrestling and talk about it and people actually listen to what I have to say. <laughs> it's great. And, 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 and to work with bully Ray, Mark Henry and Tommy dreamer, you know, I, I, again, I got a great team and, you know, Ed Robinson and, and Gabby Luspisa, like just people that really work hard for the benefit of a good radio show. When you say that people are actually listening to what you say, what has been the opinion you've had that has been the most controversial or got the most criticism? <laughs> um, there was uh, the WWE. This is going back years ago, Chris. The WWE came out with a list of the, I think it was the top 20 greatest super, top 20 greatest superstars. My personal, the greatest wrestler of all time to me is the nature boy, Ric Flair. Um, they had Shawn Michaels, number one. Hmm. And I said, on the air, I said, uh, 
Shawn Michaels is overrated. Ooh. Now, that was based on Shawn Michaels being number one on that list. Uh, I think Shawn Michaels is a legend. I think Shawn Michaels is one of the greatest of all time. He's in my top five of the greatest of all time, but I can't see him being number one. Well, nobody took the whole <laughs> WWE top 20 list. They they, all they heard me say was Shawn Michaels overrated. And my producer being my producer at the time, Mike Riker, he got Shawn Michaels to be a guest on the show. Oh, no. <laughs> so I had to bring that up. And to bring that up to Shawn Michaels on the air was awkward, difficult, but I had to do it because it, it created so much controversy. Wow. What did Shawn say? He said, well, who do you think is number one? And I said, Ric Flair. And he goes, Go back and watch our match from WrestleMania 24. He listened to what I said in that match. And I said, okay. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, speaking of the interviews you've done, you've done the one that I want to do more than anyone. You've interviewed Vince McMahon. Uh, I'm curious to know what your conversation with Vince was like. Yeah, I got to, I got to speak with him. Um, it was right around the time when he was giving away a million dollars you know, every Monday night on Raw. I don't know if you remember that. That's going yeah. back to the early days of, of Busted Open. And, you know, I, I, I'm an old school NWA territory guy. So the one thing, the one conversation that we had was about how he kept those territories alive. You know, at that time, this was pre-WWE Network with DVDs. Like, he could have squashed all that. You know, he could have just said, hey, pro wrestling started and ended with the WWE and right. kind of just pushed all those territories to the side. But instead, you know, he put out documentaries and DVDs, you know, with them and, they're, and they live on the WWE network. So we talked a lot about that and just, you know, just kind of comparing him to the other major sports and how he's able to maintain and keep that popularity. Um, that, but most of what we talked about was just old school pro wrestling. I mean, I have such a reverence from Vince McMahon and uh, such an appreciation for what he's built. I mean, Dave, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation right now if it wasn't for Vince McMahon. I, Chris, have, uh, as a fan, I have a love-hate relationship with Vince McMahon. And the reason being is that being an old-school NWA fan and an old-school territory fan, he, he basically ended that whole system for better or for worse listen i mean obviously for the better i mean you know we never would be seeing sold out stadiums for pro wrestling if it wasn't for vince mcmahon but um and you can look this up and your viewers can look this up uh there is a day that will live in infamy in pro wrestling and that's black saturday july 14th 1984 when i put on georgia championship wrestling to see Gordon Soley and instead saw the face of Vince McMahon on WTBS. And that was kind of the push of the WWF going to a national product and kind of the end of the old school territory system. Well, I mean, NWA is back. And I guess yes. you could argue now with the fact that anyone can upload a video to YouTube territories could really come back now. You don't need major, you know, a major broadcaster behind this anymore. Yeah. And I think like there's certain minds, Court Bauer, um, even Triple H, they have that old school NWA mentality. Uh, Triple H grew up in a fan of the NWA. Court Bauer, you know, his mentor was Gary Hart. So this is what they know. This is in their blood. And I think they we are right now seeing a recreation of that old territory system. Not in the same way because everything is national. Everything is accessible, like you said, on your phones and YouTube and, and everything else. But I think that drawing board is kind of like the, uh, the mantra of what's going on in modern day pro wrestling right now. Yeah, it's evolved a lot. Like I, I've been a lifelong wrestling fan, but like really became a hardcore fan when I was a teenager. So we're talking like the late nineties. In your opinion, so how much, much younger, you're so much younger and so much more handsome than me. <laughs> but you have better hair. So, jeez. Uh, oh, <laughs> so how much would you say as a fan, it shifted over these last 20 years? And how much more do you think it's going to shift over the next 20? Well, I think I think what the, the big shift now is uh, it's 
you know, when you grew up, like you said, and first started watching in, in the late 90s, it was more about character and personality. I think now it's more about the athleticism. Uh, it's it's not really about the larger than life characters. It's almost about, well, are they relatable to me? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, whether it was the 80s with the Hulk Hogan or the 90s with with the rock over over the top personalities and characters. Um, but now it's like, hey, you know, Kevin Owens a little bit relatable to a lot of pro wrestling fans. And I think relatability, but definitely the athleticism more than the, the over the top character. And I'm looking forward to see where pro wrestling goes. Uh, pro wrestling definitely evolves every, you know, every 10 years we see it evolve. So I'm interested to see where pro wrestling is going to go next. I love the fact that in all the years that I've been a pro wrestling fan, Women's wrestling is the best that it's ever been across yeah. the board, across the board, Chris. Like, you, yep. you know, you look at NWA, AEW, NXT, the WWE, like this is really some of the best things, some of the best wrestling that we've ever seen since I've been a fan in 40 years. Are you of the belief that so many wrestling fans are of the belief that wrestling used to be better back when? Are you of the belief that wrestling was better and like, should we be nostalgic for that time? Um, I always, I, I kind of believe in looking forward instead of looking back, but listen, I'm an old school fan and I'm very nostalgic when it comes to pro wrestling. I think the art of storytelling and, and development of stories uh, and being patient and that slow burn of a story, I think was much better back when I was younger and watching pro wrestling. You know, you saw stories develop for months. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it is the the monthly pay-per-view. You now see storylines that only last a few weeks because you have a monthly pay-per-view. Um, and I think things are rushed. You know, case in point, uh, a Carmella in, the, in, a, in a ring with Sasha Banks for a championship on a pay-per-view when, you know, for eight months, she didn't have any singles matches. Like, why not bring Carmella back, develop her character, tell a story about Carmella, let her have matches, and then work her way up the ladder to have a match with Sasha Banks. So I think, you know, when I look back, I think the athleticism and the match quality is probably better, probably better now than it's ever been. But the art of storytelling was definitely better 25, 30, 35 years ago. This might be a difficult one to answer, but if you had to put your finger on just one, what is the worst wrestling storyline in your opinion of all time? Wow, the worst. Well, there's some bad ones now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But there's some that, you know, they they stand the test of time. Yeah, I mean, I think the Katie Vick, everybody will go back to Kane and Triple H. Everybody will go back to Katie Vick. That just like, that's probably a st- like what were they- that's like the what were they thinking, you know? Like wh- what could you possibly be thinking that you thought that this was a good storyline? That's probably the the worst one. One that kind of frustrated me from right now, Chris, is the Lana storyline. Like mm-hmm. you see Lana go through a table for nine weeks, and then oh well, you got the TLC pay per view. So I'm guessing Lana's going to put Nia Jax through a table. And then she's pulled from the match. And now the story's completely dead because you have new tag team champions. Like I, 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 I scratch my head. I wish even whether it was good or bad, if you're telling a story, end the story, you know, finish yeah. that storyline before you move on to something else. Yeah. I, I, look, all, all wrestling organizations do this, but WWE especially wants you to just kind of forget. They want you to have the goldfish memory sometimes of like, oh yeah, that thing, that storyline that we never wrapped up, eh, don't worry about that. Yeah, and, and like whether it's Rowan with a spider in the cage or, you know, things like that. Like, I think we've become programmed, Chris, to forget. Like, it's so funny <laughs> When I go back and I watch pro wrestling from the 80s or the 90s, it's so funny how I I remember everything. But then I watch a story from the beginning of 2020, and I was like, oh my my God, I completely forgot about this. So I, I, I feel like we're almost programmed now as fans to forget. 
I'm still trying to figure out who was behind GTV 20 years ago. <laughs> there was there was never a payoff to that. <laughs> yeah, the, the raw general manager, all those weeks and all those weeks. Oh, it, was, it was Hornswoggle, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Hornswoggle is just the answer for every storyline. Yeah, why Why not? He's, he's, he's li- he lives under the ring, so, you know. <laughs> he's he always that, there. He has that kind of access. <laughs> you know, you, you see a very different side of Bully Ray than I think a lot of fans do. And I experienced this, I've interviewed him many times, but I experienced this in the, you know, really long interview that we did, is there's so much more than meets the eye with Bully Ray. And I feel like, where Mark begins and where Bully ends, the lines are very blurred. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yes. I, I think what I think what you hear on Busted Open is pretty much who they are. Um, Bully is extremely opinionated. He's extremely loyal and a great friend. And I can say great friend attached to Tommy and Mark as well. Uh, Tommy Dreamer is just like is closest to to me as far as he's just a fan. Like he'll text me at one o'clock in the morning about some you know uh, Thunderbolt Patterson match that he just watched from from 1982. And Mark Henry reminds me of like my buddy uh, that you know whether it was uh, in eighth grade or you know senior year in high school. He's a prankster. He's just a jokester. You know, I, I, they're all very very different, but. To all three, I say they're extremely loyal and just amazing, great friends that I'm so blessed to have in my life. It almost seems like Bully Ray is too good at playing his character because, you know, I, I, I've, I've experienced this many times. People think that he's actually like a mean person. He's not a mean person, but you don't want to get him angry. <laughs> uh, but I would not call him a mean person. I am shocked, quite frankly, Chris, that Bully is not working for a WWE or AEW. You know, he's got this term that he uses, if I had the pencil, and he'll take Mm -hmm. a storyline or a match and he'll just retool it. You know, as he says, he tightens the screws and it makes you look at it in a completely different way. He does that on a daily basis on the show. I'm not that I want this to happen because I don't want to lose Bully, but I'm shocked that he's not working for a WWE or AEW. Shocked. Well, it's really easy for us to sit back, you know, in our armchairs and play armchair quarterback, you know, every Monday morning or every Tuesday morning, I guess, after Raw, Thursday morning after uh, AEW and NXT. But I think the thing that fans don't realize is it's not easy to write a three-hour TV show every single week or a two-hour TV show if it's NXT or Dynamite or Impact or SmackDown. Not everything's going to be a home run every single time. Well, you know, you look at a TV series like Law & Order, let's just say. You know, it's it's an hour long and they basically tape like 23 episodes the entire, the entire year. You know, Raw is on, just Raw as an example, three hours every single Monday night. That's yeah. got to be extremely difficult to do. But... Chris, just as if you're watching your favorite hockey team or your favorite NFL team or baseball team, my job is to critique what I see. So I'm a diehard Cowboys fan, but like if they had a really bad game and, you know, Dak Prescott or, you know, Ezekiel Elliott had a a, a bad performance. Well, you know, you got to speak on that or a head coach had a bad performance. You got to speak on that. It's the same thing with Monday Night Raw. Hey, we got it. We got. We understand that it's a difficult thing to do, but we have to react to what we just witnessed the night before. Yeah, and I think that it's it's funny because on paper nobody's trying to make segments that don't work. Nobody's trying to book matches that don't work. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. Yes, <laughs> sometimes it definitely doesn't work out. I, I just feel like I, I just I just wish they would put more thought. And, a, and give a little bit more credit to the fan. I think a lot of times, and I'm just speaking of Monday Night Raw because I love SmackDown and I love NXT. So I'm not talking about the WWE in general. Like when I criticize Raw, a lot of people think I'm hating on the WWE. Well, if you listen to the show, you know I love SmackDown and I love NXT. But I think with Monday Night Raw, I don't think they give enough credit to the fan. A mm. fan... They, they, they say the fan is too impatient. I don't believe that. I think if you tell a good story, we'll be patient and let that story 
play out. If you give us a good character and good character development, the wrestling fan will will wait for the payoff. I, I just feel like Raw, a lot of things are just rushed and where they start from point A and where they go to point B is completely off track at times. I think, and this isn't going to happen because of advertising dollars. If Raw could go back to two hours, I think that a lot of problems would be solved pretty quickly. Yes, I, I, I complete. I, you know what? What I wish they would do, Chris. A lot of they do a WWE does a tremendous job with a job with their documentaries on the network. Yes, so good. I wish they would take those elements and put those on Raw. Like, oh. give me a. Give me a mini documentary on Monday Night Raw about Liv Morgan or about Keith Lee or about Drew McIntyre. That will get me more emotionally invested in their character than a backstage vignette or a match. If if you let a little realism bleed into the show, I think the fans will get more emotionally invested. It, and then wrestling still has an issue with this. It doesn't matter which you know organization. Wrestling still has an issue of like, bleeding that reality this this person who they are when they're not you know on camera they've trouble like they've trouble bleeding those over yeah it's it's and, and again it's it's hard to describe to the non-wrestling fan right very like you know like like my brother who's not a fan he's like what do you this is just fake and it's like well yeah all right yeah that it's that ma- that match is predetermined the outcome is predetermined but did I just what I witnessed in that last segment, you know, was that was that real? Was that truthful? You know, like when CM Punk did the pipe bomb promo, how why did that work? Because it was like, well, wait a second. This is a WWE superstar mentioning Coke Cabana and Ring of Honor. And at the time, Brock Lesnar and, and New Japan like that. He's not supposed to do that. And I think like those little elements, you don't have to go all the way, Chris, but just a, enough elements of realism to make even the hardcore old school pro wrestling fan think like, am I being worked or is this real? You know? Well, there's nothing like this that exists in entertainment anywhere. You know, sure. You can call it quote unquote fake or predetermined. You can say that, you know, they're playing a character. Yes. But when, and I always use this example, when Brian Cranston steps off the set, he is no longer Walter White. You know, he is no longer the character from Breaking Bad. His Twitter yeah. handle is Brian Cranston. And, and that, that's the crazy thing here, that the lines are so blurred in wrestling that, you know, Dolph Ziggler is Nick Nemeth and Nick Nemeth is Dolph Ziggler, but on social media and everything and, you know, in the public eye, he is still Dolph Ziggler. It's just this weird thing. Yeah, and it's the same thing with like a Drew McIntyre. Like sure. you know, he's cutting a promo talking about when he was in three man band and was, you know, fired from the WWE. It's like, well, well, that actually did happen, but that wasn't what I saw on Monday Night Raw. This is what happened behind the scenes. And now he's talking about it on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, there, that's what makes it so special, Chris. Yeah. That's why that's why it truly is an art form. And that's why I I'll always be a diehard pro wrestling fan is just the mystery. There's whether it's whether it was in, you know, the days of Luthez or right now from what we watch on on Raw and SmackDown, there's always this mystery around pro wrestling. And it's it's continuing to get, I feel like, more and more mysterious. Yes. And I and I, and that's why I'll always love it. That's why I'll always watch, and that's why there'll always be things for us to talk about. And that's why you're able to be on six days a week. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) Three hours, six days a week, you know, you would think there's not enough wrestling to go around, but there's enough wrestling to go around, so. I don't know if people understand how difficult it is to make even one hour of radio. And the fact that you guys have three hours of radio every single, well, six days a week, it's 18 hours of content a week. That That is not an easy task. Yeah, and and uh, Ryan McKinnell hosts on our Saturday show, um, and I do I do Monday through Friday. Ryan does uh, uh, does Saturdays. He does a great job. But you know what, Chris? In in some ways it is difficult, but in some ways it's so easy. Like mm. there's days, probably more often than days that there aren't, where I could go another hour. Like mm. we'll have a conversation going. And it's like, all right, the time's up. And I was like, well, I, I still had this to say, and I still wanted this to say. And the biggest thing, Chris, that's being on live radio that makes the biggest difference that it's not just an original podcast, but that it's live in the moment is callers. 
you know, it's two-way talk. So we take calls uh, and, and we're able to do that in the moment live, which is a huge help when not only filling time, but also de- developing topics as they go along. I want to thank you for, you know, on occasion, you've shouted out my interviews and I like, that's the coolest thing for me. So thank you for doing that. Um, Jim Ross told me early on, and I don't even think if, if he remembers this or not, it was very early on and he was always so uh, great with his time. And I remember him telling me off the air, I thanked him for coming on and he said, well, yeah, because you're part of the pro wrestling community. So you know, if, if, if one person, you know, thrives, then everybody kind of thrives. And I've always had that mentality. I, I never speak poorly of any other shows. If I do, it's in, in, it's in fun and in jest, but like I, Chris, I want your show to be successful. I want Alicia Atute to be successful. Sam Roberts, you know, Jim Ross's Conrad Thompson. Like I want everything with pro wrestling to succeed. That's the message I want to get across to fans when it comes to AEW and MLW and Ring of Honor. Don't hate on something. Don't ever wish that something would go away. Like Impact, I I watch Impact every week. I want it to do well. Because the the more these other things do well, the more that we're going to do well as a community. I, I want the whole pro wrestling community to be successful and strong. Rising tides lift all ships. And I think that people need to realize that. Rising tides lift all ships. You know, WWE getting better is better for everybody. AEW getting better is better for everybody. And it's a balance because I do have to be honest about the show about the shows. And if I don't like it, I'll be honest and tell you I don't like it. But at the same time, I would never, ever wish for uh, an organization to go away or a show to be canceled or anything like that. No, just the opposite. I want it to be stronger. Like you said, Chris, it's all about that tide. We're riding that tide right now. So I want it to go higher. I don't want to lose that. What is the go-to favorite match for Dave LaGreca? Uh, it's the um, match between uh, Ric Flair and Terry Funk. Uh, I quit match. Um, it's my all-time favorite match. Uh, on commentary was, I think, the two greatest uh, announcers in the history of pro wrestling, Gordon Soley and Jim Ross. Uh, in the ring as the referee was Tommy Young, who, in my opinion, was the greatest referee of all time. On the list of the greatest pro wrestlers, my number one is Ric Flair. Terry Funk is my number two. And the fact that they were in a match together, I quit. It's, to me, the greatest match of all time, Chris. Wow. Most people just list a match. You listed a match for like 10 reasons. This is incredible. Man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's unbelievable if you get the chance, you know. Uh, two, two words, five letters, I quit. And it's, uh, it's, it's a, a fantastic match. And it stands the test of time. Dave, you have to uh, realize and appreciate that you have the dream job of so many people all across the world. I, I appreciate it. And, and Chris, I don't take it for granted for a moment. I love it. I, I love doing what I do. Um, as we're talking, uh, I'm off and I don't know what to do with myself. Like, I, <laughs> I you know, I, I'm, you know, it's um, when you truly like you, you hear it all the time when you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. And I I've been very thankful for the last 11 years. I haven't worked a day because I've been very, very happy with what I do for a living. Oh, that's amazing. This has been such a great conversation, Dave. I, I, I'm, I'm so glad we finally made this happen. Chris, you're a great interviewer, man. I appreciate your work. I watch what you do. Um, and I think you're phenomenal at what you do. And I, it's, it's truly an honor. I look, I look behind your right shoulders and you've got some gimmicks on the shelf that, that shows you how good you are. Um, and you, you deserve it because you are phenomenal at what you do, Chris. So I, this is truly an honor for me to be on your show. That's very kind of you to say, Dave. And you know, likewise to you, the, what you have built over the last 11 years with Busted Open is truly incredible. And now you have this great cast of characters who are filling that rotating chair that you have. It's amazing. And you've been the voice of the fans before this you know, thing really existed. So uh, congratulations to you on that. And also thank you for that. Yeah, and I hope this isn't a rib. I, have to, I hope this actually goes up. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, you're on to me. <laughs> Dave, thank you so much. Thanks, Chris. Truly an honor. I really, really appreciate the time. Thank you. 
Well, there you go, my friends. And I think a word that immediately comes to mind from this conversation is patience. I mean, think of how patient Dave had to be to you know, get his start in radio and then to be patient as Busted Open was, you know, kind of a side thing because he was doing his main job at SiriusXM and doing Busted Open on the side and then how patient he had to be watching it f- grow from one hour, one day a week to what they have now, which is six days a week, three hours a day. It's incredible. And radio is not easy. I said this in the Sam Roberts interview, but it's not easy. Filling three hours every single day is tough work. But Dave, along with Bully Ray, Mark Henry, and Tommy Dreamer, make it look so, so easy. So my hat's off to them. I love this quote from Joyce Meyer, who says, patience is not the ability to wait, but the ability to keep a good attitude while waiting. Be great. Be grateful, my friends. We will see you on the next one for some more insight. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.